May 23rd, 2004. It's a Watt from Pedro show.
Bead Rochelle as Ricky Lee Jones, something I did with her maybe a year ago. It takes you there from her record, new one. We started with John Coltrane and a tune off Sunship called Attainin. Mr. Elvin Jones on the drums there. <clears throat> Recently departed to uh, play once again with John Coltrane, maybe D Bone. Quite a band they got up there now. Um, this is much, so. Uh, 
Me and Raymond saw him play many times. He's great. And always a good spirit. Always righteous aura around him. In a place like Catalina or something, you could um, be right near him. Maybe something else. Grunting. Hear the grunts. Perkins gave me a poster of uh, him. The Zildjian symbol he signed. I think we turned 70. I played with Perkins yesterday. It was pretty amazing. Petra played uh, violin, sang for some sublime song. A tribute record to be out soon. We have a special guest in the Love Grotto here on the Pleasure Point for the Watt from Peter Show, Mr. Miggs. How are you? Thanks, Mike. Matt, at all? Yeah. Great to be here. Right. Uh, last night, we were at a party for uh, Jerry Trebitich's wife, Kel. She graduated. Congratulations. And uh, Dominguez Hills, right? And um, we were talking. I said, come on the show tomorrow. So he's here. Right on. And he brought some vinyl. <clears throat> Are you playing bass much? You know, I haven't played in a couple of years. Just uh, had to give it a break. But uh, it doesn't mean I'm done. Good. Just taking a little break. I brought some vinyl, as you said. Uh, you know, last night we were talking, and you kept mentioning Pettibone. And... Uh, it reminded me of the old, early SST stuff with all the covers he did and all the artwork. He was at everyone. the gig Friday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I missed that. Oh, yeah, I Friday Saturday, I like played a- with George Hurley here in town at La Zona Rosa Número Dos, formerly known as Dancing Waters. And uh, I thought we played better than uh, the Queen Mary, but someone's uh, rapping at the hatch. I think that's our other guess. But the sound was muddy. I was talking to Marty Katz, put on the show just before I got here, and he said there wasn't much power in that system. And hey, Josh, I know that cat wasn't too familiar with the tunage. And well, you know they're they're probably used to having a lot more uh, accordions and uh, yeah, but that you know, you know tubas what? and stuff. That going cat on. has been there a long time, way before it went Nartena. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember him, Dennis. Uh, here's our other guest today, Mr. Josh Shell. How's it going? Of the Bargain Music Adventure. <laughs> yeah, me Caravan. Cool. Yeah. Sit on the Can you get through? Sultan's yeah. pillow. But that was a classic moment, though, when you cackled at the sound man. I thought. It, it you thought I cackled at him? Oh, I mean, the guy was talking to me while I was playing the gig. He's standing <laughs> next to me. And, you know... I apologize for it later anyway, but I told him at Soundcheck, you know, why don't you put a mic in front of the amp? My father always told me, always have a a Bravo, you know, Plan B. And, uh, of course, the lights were on the same grid as the power, so no lights at Soundcheck, there's no noise coming out. But when that guy, and by the way, that light man, what a (laughs) job he was doing. I mean, he didn't know the songs at all. It was, yeah, 35 whatever tunes there and it's in the dark and Georgie couldn't see anything 
I mean, we practiced a lot. We knew a lot of it by heart, but still. You don't want big space outs. with, At least not space outs is longer than the songs. In fact, Migs, you picked a Minutemen song here. Yeah, I did. You know, let me tell you a little about the song. You guys put this together on a Cracks in the Sidewalk compilation in 1980. It's the first, uh, yeah, it's the first New cut. Alliance record. Right. And uh, interesting for me, because there was a lot of debate about the song, because nobody could understand the lyrics. I think it was the first time anybody had ever heard the Minutemen, and they're trying to decipher the code. And I kept telling them, you know, it's not a code. You just got to listen to the words. You know, it's pretty simple. And no one bought it. What did you think it was about? Uh, I asked D. Boom what it was about, and he told me you guys were up one night watching TV, and you, <laughs> basically it was a dialogue from a Merv Griffin show. Yeah, yeah. And I tried to explain that to the artisans, but they didn't. They weren't buying. I mean, it's almost verbatim. <laughs> it is verbatim. Huh? Uh, Merv Griffin interviewing Sophia Loran, and uh, he asks, he has a picture of her in uh, at her first communion or something, and you know he's. Being Merv Griffin and asking the most stupid shit in the world. They show the picture and he goes, Boy, look at you. You're praying hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know the way you used to sit like this? (laughs) I'm far from the mic because I have to sit here and show these guys. But he'd always sit with his ass pointed at the camera and then twist it around. (laughs) And he'd like this. And, uh, you know, then he goes to her, you know, I'm not here to defend Catholics or anything, but he goes, you know, don't you think those people are kind of the least religious people? You know, and of course she's Catholic, you know. It was just pretty stupid. And so uh, you got to understand... 1980 when we did that we hadn't written many songs we didn't know how to write songs so I just wrote down what I heard it didn't rhyme you know but we felt very tainted seeing the punk bands up in Hollywood and these guys just as they were learning were making their songs and their bands and here we had learned off records and all this stuff. So we were trying to reinvent ourselves so we could be somewhat fresh like them. So we were trying to... We had a band before Minutemen called Reactionaries. I played someone around the show here, and it was a lot more like Speed It Up Blue Oyster Cult or something. So we were trying to really make a break with that and try to somehow find our own sound. That was the whole point of this thing. And uh, we were inspired by the... uh, Black Flag guys with their label SST, and so we started late because we found out that punk, well, first off, it wasn't a style of music. It was just a way of doing things. It was more than just having a band. It was having a label and putting on gigs and making flyers. <laughs> Deep Boone had a little book called The Pro. It's pretty neat. So all these kind of things. So New Alliance Records, Ground Extension, me, uh, Deep Boone, and Martin Timbervich. And we put this record out. It had six tunes. And uh, you can see how it's mastered, how wide the spaces are in the grooves, because the place where we mastered that, they made records for slideshows. So they had really wide grooves because you're in the dark, right? There's nowhere to put the needle. 
Well, we'll say a prayer to Sophia Loren and hope it doesn't skip because that's how old this thing is. And it looks it has like it's some been damage, water huh? damage. Some mold. Okay. So what from Pedro Show? everything to me. Where's the question? Where's the question? All the mysterious takers. 
Watt from Pedro Show. That was the fall, brand new fall, with a box of ptosis. Before that, something Miggs asked to play. Well, he actually brought Working Men Are Pissed by the Minuteman. Mission to Burma, brand new album before that, with the setup. And we started with 9.30 May 2nd, Minuteman. Our first, actually his first release. It came out before Paranoid Time EP. He actually got it out of the gate before uh, SST got the Paranoid Time thing. Uh, it was from the same session. I think we did like seven or eight songs. Mixed them all on the same night. Spot. Greg Ginn. <clears throat> Martin was there too, but he conked out. He was supposed to help us sing Joe McCarthy's Ghost. Sueño overcame him. Uh, you brought some music, Josh? Yeah. Uh, I guess this is Junior Biles, a place called Africa. Lee Scratch Perry produced. Augustus Pablo playing the melodica. You play melodica? Yep. Did you bring it? I try. No, I didn't. Uh, you could Actually, have... I got it in the van. Yeah, yeah? yeah, good, because when Brother Matt does his uh, spin cycle, you can jam with him. Okay. Cool. Uh, Josh is singer of Bargain Music. You just got off tour? Yep. Yeah. What was that like? It was good. We were opening for a band that uh, is doing pretty well, and it was, you know, we're used to playing the small clubs, but it was, it was all big venues and, you know, nice monitor mixes, <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, it was a good tour. Another tour soon? Yeah, we're uh, <clears throat> heading to Hawaii in about two weeks. Playing our first shows in Hawaii. Yeah. Is it a Kauai Festival or something? Uh, Kona Fest. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Kona's? Kona. Big so what, Oahu? Are oh, you going to the Big Island? Yeah, we're, pl we're playing <clears throat> uh, Oahu, Big Island, Maui, and Kauai. Yeah. yeah. yeah I can't wait. Now, I've played uh, your stuff on the show before. I played um, some stuff from the new album, but stuff from your first album, which uh, I had something to do with. Yep. And uh, the band's a little different from that version. Yeah. We've gone through it. It's, it's like you're the only different. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a trip. Yeah, it is a trip. It's a real trip. Um, you know, uh, over a period of a year and a half, guys were dropping off like flies, you know. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, some guys just aren't, aren't made to tour, you know, and, and, uh, for a while I went through a lot of doubt, you know, should I continue the band and, and, uh, you know, we, we found a new guitar player who's just an unbelievable guitar player and we became a, a real strong songwriting partnership and, uh, just didn't seem like, you know, the, the idea that we had with bargain music didn't seem like we were we were over it seemed like we were just getting started with it yeah who's zippy zippy yeah yeah he was at chairs thing yeah, yeah last yeah. night he's from sacramento yeah sacto man brother matt show me this magazine here 
juxtaposed with Mr. Iggy on the cover as a painter. I was there when they did this. Well, I had to leave the day before. I wasn't able to be at the show, but we recorded a uh, Julia Kimbrough song. And uh, I got to see all this stuff when it came out of the boxes, all the paintings. Ron did paintings, too. I think Scotty did something, one thing or another. But... <laughs> See, it's pretty funny. I think the guy who runs that is out of Sacramento, juxtaposed, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I like this Meg. So, Migs, you've played in some uh, musical stuff. I'm not talking about that, but you haven't done it in a long time. I kind of ran the circle. Started off like everyone in their garage. Doing the punk rock thing, finding my way uptown, then back downtown. Next thing I know, I'm doing some psycho Mexican crossover Santana jazz band. And uh, then some sleazy pop projects, and that's why it's sitting. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm a gun for hire, I guess. I'll do anything once. All right. Fattening. You know, Josh, well, we got some connects with some bathhouses. <laughs> I, I will pay to play. <laughs> you know, Josh is going to Hawaii. I, I might be going to the Slav Hawaii in a couple of weeks to play. You know, Catalina, maybe a little paddling. It's a Slav Hawaii. That's a Slav Hawaii. I can't get any closer to the real Hawaii. Avalon. Six miles is as far as I'll, they'll let me go. You know, I was at the store. I wanted. I was out of mustard. I wanted to get some mustard. And they had all these, I was at McAllen's up there, and they had all these fancy kind, you know, sweet, hot, whatever, England. And, yeah, four or five dollars. And they had one Econo jar for two bucks, and it was way bigger. It was twice as big. And all the writing was Croatian. And it had big white, it looked like white carrots on the front of it. But it wasn't mustard, it was just horseradish. It wasn't even that hot, but it was good. It was Econo. <laughs> I like, you know, I like that uh, Jewish horseradish is intense. Different kind of hot, more uh, aromatic, like wasabi, huh? Uh, works with sinuses. Yeah, I'm into the stuff like that. A lot of folks. Maybe as you get older, your taste buds get more <laughs> dead, and you need more intense stuff to fire them up. Some of the places use it, I think, because the stuff isn't that uh, health. It's not that sanitary, so they just fire it up with a lot of hot sauce. <laughs> purify Bangkok, it. Purify it with way, fire. It's so hot, and because they're just out in the street selling off a wagon. In the sun. <laughs> Big tropical flies. Yeah. Are the cats with the cooler on their shoulder? The males. Yeah. How yeah. long has that been sitting? After the gig Friday, we ate out of the truck over yeah, there. I made right, Christian? Out of the truck. Were you at the truck, too? <laughs> that's, a, that's not a bad truck. They had, no. They had a nice one on 17th for the longest time. That's yeah, Spralia's. And then Spralia put up a fence, <sighs> blocked them out. The humanity. The humanity. They squeezed them in there. They're a little greasier. I that was good down there. That's my. <laughs> oh, the bone phone. We have a request caller? Yeah. <laughs> Tarkus. 
<laughs> so, okay, Josh, we're going to play this thing here from Junior, Junior Biles. Biles yeah. Place called Africa on the Watt from Pedro it's show. Tear, it's a tearjerker.
you can become successful. But by the same token, you have an issue with the uh, social demands that 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 communicates to people, and then you also have the commercials and the media and the psychology of success with, that, that doesn't represent the hard work aspect of it. So what you have is a lot of people after the age of instant gratification of the '60s having a propensity to reject what the media is, you know, convincing people that they should. wholesale sort of preemptive rejection of, you know, socially accepted psychology of success, you have basically a lot of neurotic stress that people ha tend to have basically because they're, they're being told that they should, number one, be successful, drive beamers, have lots of credit cards, go to the Bahamas, you know, be beautiful. And when they can't fulfill those requirements, that establishes a lot of stress. And, and stress is to neurosis. Neurosis is
lot from Pedro show. That was uh, oops, wrong way. <laughs> Sorry, brother man. I don't know the name of that song because uh, well, it's Jovi Butts from Chula Vista, and he didn't put the titles on the CD, so <clears throat> the listener can decide what it should be called. Before that, we had uh, Clean Plate Club, Lincoln, Nebraska, with uh, Horatio Alger Myth. And Lungfish before that with Love is Love, and we started with um, a place called Africa by Junior Biles. Uh, Josh is warming up his uh, melodica. He's going to be collaborating with Brother Matt. Spin cycle coming up in the next hour. We're coming down to the end of the first hour here. What's the first punk gig you went to, Migs? The very first punk gig I went to. I think um first big one. No, first punk no, gig. The first one was the first big one. It was at the whiskey with X and uh oh, who else was there? Probably you. But uh, I remember going to see a band I'd never heard of called X because uh, they had Ray Manzarek playing keyboards and I was a big Doors fan. <laughs> so I think uh, I think it was like 78, 77. I don't remember what it was. But then after that, I was hooked and uh, started seeing shows at Jimmy Jimmy Smacks, Star Theater, and the Waters Club even had yeah, some Yeah, Dee Boone would change the name to the Union and we'd have gigs there because yeah. we didn't like the idea of, like on a Tuesday night, having to drive 30 miles up to Hollywood wait for midnight, and then have to work the next morning. So the show started at 7.30 and be in town. Kind of went awry when uh, El Duce, mentors had a gig there, and El Duce, remember the liquor store right oh, next yeah. door? He gets all borracho and goes in there and starts calling the ladies their putas and their boyfriends very angry uh, Latin gentleman who didn't understand humor in it and first beat him up, then came over to the star or the union and started beating people up in there. And that kind of put the kibosh on. The, it's, it's torn down now. Oh, yeah. It's been torn down for years. Years, yeah. It was a Christian place for a while. Solid rock. Not too solid. Well, it was a porno theater before it was that, remember? Yeah, when Dukowski was living upstairs. <laughs> that was the one and only. Yeah, in Pedro. Yeah. And they got they tried to get a uh, topless thing going over here. Well, Bronco Billy. Yeah, it's the same guy who ran that place on C Street, C Street Shipwreck Joey's. Okay. Boone's pop used to always tell me and Boone, yeah, that place, you know, Tuesdays, the spaghetti... <laughs> night, you know, and, you know, big old plate of spaghetti for a buck fifty, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm going to shipwreck Joey's for the spaghetti. <laughs> well, don't they say the Jet Strip has the best coffee in LA? That's why everyone's there. <laughs> and there, I think the guy owned a third place on uh, PCH. Um, Front, front view. view. That's still the open. front view cabaret. That's the last one. What a, what a, that's a classy name, uh, the front view cabaret. <laughs> he had some place on Western, too, on Harbor Gateway for a while there. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shanghai oh, yeah, Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shanghai Red was here, wasn't no, it? No, no, not Shanghai Red. I'm sorry. <laughs> that got raised was, when yeah, I came to Pedro. What am I talking about? Out there, some kind of Wrong era. Place. It was Shanghai. Some kind of red yeah, or some kind of red thing. Yeah, used car. That's on, it was on uh, Western and yeah, Torrance, Torrance Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was his little <laughs> fiefdom of the male <clears throat> research. I guess female research for males. <laughs> Okay, um, there. wow, we're there. End of the first hour, uh, May 23rd, 2004 edition, Watt for Pedro Show. Hang tight for hour two. May 23rd, 2004, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. He's the first man to walk on the moon. Neil Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, he's the head of a large corporation, but I knew him when he was the hero of the nation, Neil Armstrong, Neil Armstrong.
gonna do one more.
I die Gaining my senses Wake up in a hotel Staring at the ceiling Nelsie But from Pedro Show, that was Carla Boslich, Nils Klein, Carla's new record, something live called Times Square. Somebody else wrote that, huh? What's it say on the back sleeve there? Times Square? Here, can I have it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> B. Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, this is a record of some live stuff and things from her uh, Redhead Stranger interpretation of Willie Nelson's record. Concept record. Before that, we've had. Uh, Whoa! Wow. <laughs> we had uh, nothing like Bill Gates's bullshit. <laughs> uh, we had uh, something you picked, Josh. The Who. I've been gone. Why'd you want to hear that one? Uh, I love that song. It's just. Uh, it's so simple. You know, it's, uh, when they recorded that song, it was just John and and uh, Keith, Pete, and Roger at the pub when they recorded that. And I think Roger came into the vocals after. The pub. The pub. And uh, it's just a great. It's a great song. It's you know, it's f- funny lyrics, great great melody. And it's something a little bit different than than what they normally did. You know, it's one of those songs where they kind of stepped outside of the who. And you know, Townsend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Did you? You said you saw the Who. A few times. No, you've seen them without Ant Whistle. I didn't see him without Ant Whistle. Oh, no, saw I saw the, the, the last tour before before he died. Okay. Somebody I know saw him with that. Maybe Bob Lee. I think it was Jerry. I think Jerry saw him without Ant Whistle. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. I never saw him without Moon. So yeah. I don't know what any of it's like. Yeah. And we started off with uh, Neil Armstrong from Angst. You picked that, Megs. Well, I picked that because, you know, it just always makes me smile. <laughs> and I think we need to share the love, being in the love grotto, share a smile. Neil. Learn a little bit about history. Have a little pizza, learn about Cuba, you know. Yeah, when I was young, they really, when I was young, younger, less older, they really pushed space on us hard. I used to watch all those missions, and it was really crude. You know, they'd have some guy dressed in a space suit, suit just sitting there with the clock next to him, and you just watch this, you know, hour after hour. <laughs> they didn't have the uh, cameras in the spacecraft till later, and that's... I was <clears throat> really into it. Everybody I knew wanted to be astronauts. And then we landed on the moon, 69, Neil Armstrong. And it was all over. No more in the schools. No more anything. <laughs> it's over. Been there, been yeah, they did a few more space missions, moon missions, and then you know, a shuttle and I guess Skylab. Remember when Skylab fell? Space used to be such a big thing in the national consciousness 
we were talking about yesterday the uh, sea launch they have out here. Right. They they send those satellites up routine. Yeah, they buy Russian rockets and convert it into an oil rig to a launch pad, and they tow it to the equator. And because there's more spin, and supposedly the most econo way to get a satellite up. It's pretty intense. I, I, I you know, I see what it, when it's docked, and I see when it's gone. Well, I see where it's supposed to be, but I've never seen it sail yet, man. I want to see the tugboat towing that derrick, converted derrick. And there's a mothership too. It looks like a cruise liner. Pretty intense project, but uh, so big in our consciousness now. It's so small, and I think it's because it went military. <laughs> well, maybe it always was, but it was used a lot more for propaganda and whatever. Because this race with the Russians. And, get the moon well maybe uh, you know the American consciousness was you know Major Healy and Major Nelson and I Dream a Genie that was <laughs> that was space for one generation and Capricorn one with uh, O.J. Simpson was a space for the next generation and that was a, <laughs> Skylab the idea of that was, was uh, the moon landing was faked right right in fact you know what the kids were telling me last year they had a big special or two years ago revisited the whole concept of uh, the mission to the moon being fake, being all done in a studio so we can pump the American people for more NASA funds so we could really go. So I don't know where that went. That's kind of like the alien <laughs> autopsy. you got both sides. You know. More funky shit. Hangar 14, <laughs> Area 51. Um, yeah, Art Bell. I mean, it's, it's really small now and fringe and periphery. But and when I was a boy, man, it was so huge. And then I remember Angst. Those guys were buddies of mine, San Francisco Trio. And they had that song, and it was so f funny that anybody would even think sing about space. And that was at the time, the early '80s. And it was so much done with. It seemed like. Um, but uh, I don't know. They've got some stuff on Mars now, right? They might find life or traces of life. Or a new studio. They might find it here. <laughs> Maybe. So that's trippy uh, playing that. I haven't heard those guys in a long time. One time I was touring in Europe. I was in Holland. And the guitar player, the guy who sings that song, came to the gig. And he was washing dishes. He had run away to Holland to live there. It's a trip. I still talk to Joe Pope, the bass player. A trippy band. So thank you for that. Yeah, that's cool. Now, uh, special spin cycle segment for Brother Matt. We're going to have him collaborate with Mr. Josh Shell on the uh, Lotica. Cool. Welcome. So let's see where that goes. Yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fire it up. Ultimately, what we're touching is the invisible all-pervasive intelligence. 
that surrounds us and penetrates us. It is grooming us to be able to tolerate its splendor. It's something like that.
Next comes a circle of secondary leadership that for the most part is completely unaware of an inner core. They are led to believe that they are the innermost ring. In time, as these conspiracies are built from the center out, they form additional rings of organization. Those in the outer echelons usually are poor idealistic souls with an honest desire to improve the world. They never suspect an inner control for sinister purposes. And only those few who demonstrate a ruthless capacity for higher leadership are ever allowed to see it. Lifetimes go by in a flash. 
cash and a search for love and a search for cash everybody wanna be some fat tycoon everybody wanna be on a tropic honeymoon nobody wanna sing a little bit out of tune we'll be the backbone of a rebel platoon it's too soon to step out of line you might get laughed at you might get fine but do you pass the buck or pass the baton but you can't pass the police or the pentagon the irs or the upper echelon i think it's time to make a move on the contradiction bomb bomb rock the nation Drop your guns, move your tongues, battle motivation No time's lyrics come so 
what, but they don't know what is what. They just strut. What the fuck? They know what is what, but they don't know what is what. They just strut. What the fuck? They know what is what, but they don't know what is what. They just strut. They just strut. What the fuck? What the fuck? They know what is what, but they don't know what is what. They just strut. What the fuck? Right. Thanks much, brother Matt. Thank you, Josh. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. Every time I got the key down, it changed. <laughs> That's all right. You did a great job, man. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Matt, spin cycle. Spinning it up. Um, Migs, what's your favorite D. Boone story? Oh, there's so many. <clears throat> You know, I don't know about story, but I'll tell you just a kind of a feel that I like to feel every once in a while, you know. Um, going down, when he used to, remember we used to live off of Sepulveda, Low yeah. Pacific right there? Going down there on a Saturday afternoon, you know, hanging out, watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, which for some reason which was one of his favorite shows. And then going to get lunch right up the street at Pasquato. And just, you know, mauling down a big lunch with D. Boone, who... I don't know if he what did he if he talked faster or ate faster. I don't know what it was, but it was just something being there with him and hanging out, swapping stories and just talking shit. Great times. <laughs> he liked Pasquardos. And Breezes. Oh yeah. And uh Burrito Factory. And um all the chop pads here. <laughs> oh, we ke- I kept up, so it was a good time. Yeah, there was a point where I could chow more than him, drink more than him, and not gain a pound. It was very long ago. But he also did his own cues. He had a special sauce he made with orange juice and... Uh, some weird kind of marinade. It was trippy. It was good. Uh, but he liked chowing. And uh, I remember there was one tour he wanted me to <coughs> try. He said the only way you could know about not eating meat is to do it. So this one tour I ate nothing but broccoli. My skin was turning green. <laughs> I was wearing these army clothes for this tour, and my skin was matching the army clothes, olive drab. And we're conking at this place in Kansas City, and uh, we're at the pad. He goes off, you know, with Georgie and the guys are staying at to get beer, and he comes back with his giant burrito. And I go, uh, you know, in the microwave dung bags. <laughs> and I, uh, I said, what that, what's that about, D. Boone? He goes, well, see, you, you got to get the kind without the meat. <laughs> Must have been like 5,000 calories. 
Then we were playing in Hamtramck. And, uh, no, it wasn't. It was in St. Louis, the Mississippi Nights. And they had this huge bowl of spaghetti. And it, you know, it had meat in it. And I said, well, what's that about? And he goes, well, look, you know how we've been conditioned all our lives to eat this. And I just got to convince my body it's the wrong thing. <laughs> kind of like the Schick thing, huh? <laughs> Dr. Schick. So, like, he's got this, you know, trowel or whatever, snow shovel thing, and he's just, it's coming out the side of his mouth. He goes, I'm training, I'm learning. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> he's funny about that. Uh, it's trippy the way he played, huh? I try to tell people. It's hard to describe. Well, you know what? One night we were at Club Lingerie, and um, you guys had just finished your set, and we're sitting in the backstage green room, whatever it was. And I had met Dave Alvin a couple times, but not, I mean, not, you know, hanging out with him or nothing. I just say, hey, Dave, what's happening? This is Migs, whatever. Anyway, he came back, and one of the first times he'd, I guess, really talked to D Boone, and he was just frustrated. He goes, you know what? you got to show me those open tunings you're doing. I just can't figure them out. And D looked at him and didn't understand what he was talking about. He goes, what do you mean, open tunings? What's those open tunings to get those sounds? D's like, man, I just tuned my guitar. <laughs> this is a straight tuning. You know, and that was the magic. And, uh, you know, to see a, someone of the caliber of Dave Alvin sit there with his chin on the floor wondering how the hell this guy's making all this sound and he's not using anything but his body and his guitar. It was yeah, he didn't use effects pedals. Well, you know, with the Minutemen, we had decided at the beginning we were not going to use tuners. We thought it was bourgeois. So, like, we would tune to each other. And as the gig went on, you know, the strings would stretch and we'd stretch. We'd end up like a step and a half down by the end of the gig. Try to stay relative to each other, but it'd be getting flatter and flatter. Because he would hop around. Oh, yeah. So intense, he would pull the neck. Guitar out, and uh, yeah, I don't think he ever used a weird tuning. No, like a lot of these kids, uh, younger people now, drop D and all this. Never did any of that. This hippie guy taught us how to play, showed us some things. Roy Mendes Lopez, he lived in his car, and. Uh, I know he had a pro profound effect on us as a person. A lot of the other stuff we learned was off records. We never got to meet any of those people. But so you had to just imagine how they did it. Like I remember us um, trying to figure out Black Sabbath, how they got the sound with the guitars. We didn't know about fuzz boxes. So I thought it was something they did in the studio. I mean, music's much more accessible today. You can just go to the shit hard center and there's like 5,000 devices and instructional videos. You didn't have any of that. So, and we didn't really so have good. much uh, older brothers or friends either. So there was no one really to show us the way. So we had to kind of stumble through it. Played kind of trebly, huh? 
<laughs> well, you know, it was a good compliment to that bottom you guys had. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that gig Friday? I dug it. You know, I dug it when, had... when, he said, when he said, can you hear bass? People said, I can't hear the guitar. That was kind of funny. And then you said, I hear the guitar every fucking song. Yeah. That, was, that was perfect, too. That was like you're saying, oh, D. Boone would have a cool line for that. That was just as cool of a cool line right there. Yeah, D. Boone had a good uh, way with hecklers. He had good, quick retorts that weren't too cruel, but would make people think. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to th say sometimes. I told the guy to try harder. <laughs> that was cool. I mean, what a thing <laughs> to say. Uh, I was talking to my second man, drummer Jerry, and he said he couldn't hear the drums. Could you hear Georgie? Um, yeah, I could hear him where I was at. It's kind of muddy. Yeah, the sound could have been a little, little nicer. Yeah. Well, those guys who put on the gig, they told me they're going to bring more shows to Pedro. Cool. They said, we want to bring Anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bring Anthrax the band or Anthrax the drug? <laughs> you got to be careful, Mike. This is going out over the airways. You know, the Uncle George is listening. Uh, Uncle George. <laughs> the Big W. Remember that movie, The Big W? We're there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> End of the second hour Watt from Pedro show May 23rd, 2004 Hold tight for Hour 3 May 23rd, 2004 It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show Here's the thrilling conclusion Part 4 Of Somewhere Next Door to Reality Both Jack Flanders and Mojo Sam have seen another city within the old city of Montreal. It is a city that appears to be almost identical to the cobbled streets and stone buildings of old Montreal. But the shops are not the same, and the people are quite different indeed. Jack has met a mysterious woman who he believes is from this other city. She has given him hints and clues, but he cannot piece them together. She won't tell him her real name. Jack refers to her as Madame Chow. That's the nickname Jack gave her because whenever he tries to extract more information from her, she simply walks off and Jack is left alone saying, Chow. The next morning, Jack stops by Dominique's bookshop in Old Montreal. Is that yours? Oh, uh, no, it must be yours. Oui, hello? Je vois. Ok. Salut. What is it? That was Isabelle's father. She's been missing since yesterday morning. Oh, God. Do you think... I don't know. Jack phones Mojo, who tells him... Listen, man. Isabelle is okay. Nobody's gonna hurt her. But, Mojo, if this is now, going... Now, you listen to me. The only thing you can do is be cool. You hear me? I hear you. Let me hear it. I'm cool. Okay, then. Bye. Yeah. Cool. Right. Exactly at 4 o'clock that afternoon, 
the mysterious Madame Chow, or Madame Claudine, we're really not sure, sits down at her favorite table at the Café Napoli in Old Montreal. The air in the city is thick, heavy. A late summer storm has been gathering. Jack Flanders is back in his usual attire, a white suit and Panama hat. He seems to be getting a little impatient. Apparently, he's waiting for someone. Finally, strolling up the street, taking her time, is a slim, attractively dressed Dominique. A thin web of cigarette smoke leaves a little wavy trail behind her. Well, I see you brought an umbrella. Of course. Is she here? Mm-hmm. She's sitting over there. What do you want me to ask? Ask her whatever you want. I know what I'm going to ask. I'm asking you what you want me to ask. <sighs> oh, I do sigh so much. Oh, God. Women are such exotic creatures. I mean, if you stay still and watch a woman, that's like watching a whole fresh universe unfold before your eyes. <sighs> yeah, right. What right? You're right. <laughs> So shall we approach the mysterious madam, whoever she is? You haven't answered my question. She doesn't answer my questions either. You're not asking the questions. <sighs> All I want to know is how to get into that other city. And she's not going to tell you either. We'll see. Introduce me. Hello, Jack. Not cul-de-sac, Jack? Do you prefer that? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Dominique, I want you to meet... Uh, Madame, I, I don't know your name. Hello, Dominique. Enchanté. Je vous en prie. Asseyez-vous. Garçon. J'aimerais vous remercier pour l'aide que vous avez offert à Jacques. Huh? Si j'ai bien compris, vous avez une amie qui a disparu. Oui. Son nom est René. Ah bon Madame, désirez-vous commander? Qu'est-ce que vous aimeriez? Mm. Un café au lait. Monsieur? Uh-huh. Oh, me. Yeah, I'll have a cappuccino. Double. Un café au lait et un cappuccino double? Devrions-nous inclure Jack dans cette conversation? Si vous voulez. Mais son français est affreux. <laughs> oui, je le sais. Oh, pauvre cul-de-sac Jack. No, you know, I don't think it's very fair to talk about me in front of my face. In fact, it's very rude. Oh, well, we'll speak Americanese for you. All right? Thank you. Madame, it isn't just my friend, René, who has vanished. Yesterday, a friend of mine, André Chabrol, his child disappeared. She's 12 years old. She's a very sensitive young woman. I know that she has seen the other city. Her name is Isabel. We believe she is there. She told you she has seen it. She told me she'd seen a carnival, like a Renaissance fair in Place Jacques Cartier. But it was winter. She said the square was empty, covered in snow. And then there was a carnival. She was introduced to others. They were from somewhere else. Perhaps not this world. And then they vanished. She was alone. And what did you think? At first, I thought it was her fantasy. I knew it was real for her, but I didn't know how real. Now I know. Isabel said she wanted to go back there, to, to be with them. Is she there? I don't know. Can you find out? She has no mother. 
Her father, he'll go crazy without her. He believes she was kidnapped. He doesn't know what has happened to her. Café au lait et cappuccino double. Merci. And do you hear that? The thunder? No, no, the music. Ah, oui. Ah, oui, indeed. I'm going to find it. It's starting to rain. Lend me your umbrella. Wherever my umbrella goes, I go. So you two are inseparable, huh? Yes, and without us, you will be soaked to the skin. Are you sure you wouldn't rather just stay here and talk? Mm -hmm. You're not leaving without me. Hmm. This is a rather petite umbrella, no? Ce fou un plaisir de vous rencontrer. Au revoir, Dominique. My luck is with both of you. Ciao, cul-de-sac Jack. Salut, madam. What did she say to you? You Americans, if learning French is such a bother, why should we tell you? Well, you know, we're not very intelligent people, so obviously someone has to explain it to us. Of course. You're ignorant, you're uncultured, uh -huh. you're uncool, you waste your life chasing your almighty dollar. Look, are you talking to me personally, or, or all just... All of you, all of you who live beneath us. Are you serious? You don't know when I'm serious? No, not really. I'm never serious. Seriously? I'm playing with you. Uh, I see. No, you're too stupid to see. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Can you still hear that accordion? No. Shall we turn around? No. Let's keep going. Maybe we'll step right off the edge. Aren't you teetering on the edge most of the time? So? So, are you happy? Of course. No. And sometimes. Are you playing with me? Always. Are you happy? Sometimes. Why aren't you with a man? That's not your business, Buster. <laughs> I'm just curious. You're attractive. You're, you're incredibly bright. I'm impossible. Well, yes, that's true. But there's men that are attracted to impossible women. <laughs> Where? Oh, here and there. I've met them. They come and they go. You know, this is hopeless. You mean me? No, I mean that we're not going to find anything. And, and this umbrella is built for one. I'm getting drenched. It's a warm rain. I know, but my sneakers are squishing water in and out every time I take a step. Go barefoot. <laughs> On the cobblestones. I don't think so. If you go barefoot, I'll go barefoot. Yeah, but you're wearing sandals. You're, you're already barefoot. Does this umbrella have a metal tip? I don't know. Stick your head out and see. <laughs> Let's go back, okay? Okay. I wonder what it's like to be a street person who is blind. If you had a choice between losing your hearing or losing your sight, which would you choose? Well, it's not much of a choice. Well, it's a choice, now choose. Well, I choose sight. You'd rather be blind? So much of my world is sound. And you? I like to read. I like my eyes. I see. You'll make a good player. Hmm? I watch, and you listen. Oh, yeah, except for one thing. What? You are impossible. True. And you enjoy being impossible. No, I'm lonely with you. Mind if I smoke? Under this umbrella? Please, Jack. Oh. Why not? Here. Why do you have a lighter? It's a souvenir. Of what? 
of a long story. I have the time. Uh, some other time. Mm, I don't need this umbrella. It's still raining. But you're wet. I'll, I'll, I'll get wetter. Jack, put the umbrella down. What about your cigarette? I only need two puffs. Good. Put your face up. Hmm? Like this. Doesn't the rain feel good? Feels wet. Mm, it's so warm. Yeah. The streets are all misty. Mm, do you think if we stand here forever, the city will come to us? Forever? Well, that sounds about right. Are you giving up? Not if I can find that blind accordion player. The storm is passing. I'm going back to my hotel. Let's go hear Mojo play tonight. You mean down in that smoky cellar they call Lucky Pierre? Where else? Okay. When? Eleven. Eleven o'clock. Uh, isn't that a little late? Montreal is a night city, don't you know? <sniffs> Salut, Jack. Ciao. Anyway, I guess if I don't see you around, I'll be hearing you. Late that evening, Jack steps down into the smoke-filled cellar known as Lucky Pierre's. As Jack enters, Mojo is just finishing a number. How's it going? Oh, it's a good crowd tonight. Yeah. 
Mojo, how do you deal with all this smoke? I practice inverse yoga. What? Shallow breathing. Really? Oh, yeah. And then between sets, I step outside and do some heavy, deep breathing. You ought to try that. Yeah, I guess I'll have to, especially around Dominique. By the way, I, I was supposed to meet her here. I haven't seen her. It's almost midnight. Maybe she got distracted. Probably. Uh, how are you two getting on? I think we've come to an understanding. You mean she understands you, or you think you understand her? Maybe a little of both. <laughs> you know, just because she's nice today doesn't mean she'll be nice tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But if you remember what it was like when she was nice, and you act like she is being nice, she'll settle down and be nice. This really is a true test of my patience, isn't it? <laughs> Let's step outside. I need to do some heavy breathing. Whew. It's still hot out here. Oh, yeah. Something big is building up out there. Do they have tornadoes? In the city? <laughs> it would take an awful lot to shake these buildings. Oh, oh by the way, Dominique and I met with the mysterious Madame Whoever. Uh, how did it go? Dominique was great. She may have actually succeeded in getting something out of her, but uh, then I heard that accordion again. I wanted to find it, but she insisted upon coming with me. You didn't find him? No, and we got drenched. But later, when I was walking back to my hotel, there he was, standing out on the sidewalk, perfectly dry. So you think he was playing from the other side? You mean standing somewhere that's dry, like like next door to reality? That's right. You know, that occurred to me. Did you talk to him? Well, he called out to me. He, he called me cul-de-sac Jack. <laughs> I guess he's heard about you. <laughs> he even knew that I called her Madame Chow. They're probably old friends. He wouldn't tell me her name. He told me his name, uh, Jacques. Jacques? And Jack. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was funny, too. So what did you find out? Mojo, no one ever tells me anything. I told you. What? They're handing you stuff. But you let it drop. You don't pick it up. There wasn't anything to pick up. That accordion man. He as much as admitted that he and Madame Chow know about that other place. Well, yeah. He knows that you're trying to get in there and why you're doing it. Do you feel he's going to stop you? No, but he's sure not going to help. You're on your own. She told you that. I know. It's like enlightenment. You know what I mean? No. The teacher can't do it for you. So? You know what you got to do. Well, as the good madam whatever said, patience is the key to paradise. There you go. Go where? Maybe that's the point. What? Man, do you realize what you can accomplish with patience? I mean, that's the ultimate cool state of being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you master patience, and that's achieving a state of grace. The whole world will stop and change just for you. Look, I'll be cool. Hmm. You told me some wise dude once said to you, you gotta be cool without gotta-ing to be anything. Yeah, I, I remember that. Uh, my break's over. I gotta go back in. Uh, I, I just can't take any more of that smoke, Mojo. <laughs> I hear you. Catch you later. Salute. Same to you.
So, no Dominique. as well get back to the hotel. This place reminds me of the old cities in, in Morocco, except they were surrounded by walls. There wasn't any space left inside, so they built the new city outside the walls. It was like stepping from one world into another. Old Montreal also has a modern city built around it, except there's no walls and it's not exactly around it. There's the river and, uh, and the old port of Montreal. Speaking of the river, I notice the mist is sneaking back in again. Oh, this storm is about to break. I should be able to reach the hotel before... Is that her? What is she doing out here at this time of night? And in this storm? Meanwhile... Back at Lucky Pierre's. Salut, Bojo. Dominique, how you doing? It's gonna rain. I was just out there. I was feeling pretty heavy. Is Jack here? Uh, he just left about a minute ago. To his hotel? Oh, that's what he said. You can still catch him. <sighs> Why bother? Well, he's getting set in his ways. It'll do him some good to stay up all night every now and then. <laughs> Go get him. Bring him back. <laughs> okay, Bojo. <laughs> See you later. Oh, yeah. As Dominique steps out of the street, there's a terrific flash of lightning that seems to light up the whole city. Up the street, she can see Jack's white suit shimmering in the flashes of lightning. She hurries after him, but Jack has picked up his pace. In fact, it was the same flash that Dominique saw that revealed the mysterious Madame Claudine standing in the middle of the street as though waiting for Jack. Does she see me? He's about to call her when, once again, under the rumbling thunder... He hears that familiar sound. There's yet another flash of lightning, followed by a deafening crash of thunder. Holy smokes! But in that flash of brilliant white light, Jack suddenly sees the city. There it is, shining bright as day. And in that brief moment, he sees the mysterious madam casually strolling up the street in the full light of the sun. And then, the image is gone. It's dark again. The rain comes pelting down. Jack! Jack! He doesn't seem to hear the voice calling to him. Perhaps his ears are still ringing from the thunder. Or perhaps he's too occupied as he steps into the middle of the street to stand in the exact same spot where he saw Madame Claudine when she stood there watching him. He stops. He patiently waits. Uh, what is he doing? He's so stupid. Jack! Idiot! There's another blinding flash. And Jack is gone. The rain is slamming down, but Dominique stands there, shivering, sobbing, and cursing. Go. 
Jack is still standing in Rue Saint Paul. He is still in old Montreal, but it's not quite the same. He's no longer standing in the pouring rain in the middle of the night. It's midday. The sun is shining. Jack feels rather foolish standing there, dripping water as the perfectly dry inhabitants of this strange city walk by. But no one seems to notice him. And once again, he feels as though he's walking on the bottom of the ocean. Each step is in slow motion as he makes his way up the street toward Renee's apartment. This is awfully familiar. It's the Cafe Napoli, except it's not quite the same. That's her. That's Renee. In fact, she is sitting in exactly the same spot where the mysterious Madame always sat. Jack is amazed. The coincidence is just a bit much. But Jack doesn't have time to ponder this because Renee stands up. She's about to leave. Renee. She stops. Can you see me? She cocks her head and listens. Is she watching him out of the corner of her eye? Renee, can you understand me? Oh God, I feel like an American tourist who goes around yelling, "Do you speak English?" Of course I speak English. Oh, you can understand me. Can I understand me? Barely. What do you want? Well, Dominique sent me to find you. Ah, oh, of course. She wants to know if you're all right. Tell her I am happier than ever. Tell her I send my love. Can you tell me how did you get here? Probably the same as you. But how are you able to stay here? We all find our own way. How did you do it? What? I'm coming closer. There's a young girl. Her her name is Isabel. We think she came here. When? Yesterday. Isabel? Yes, Isabel Chabrol. Sorry. You don't know? Is is that what you're saying? I don't understand. Oh God, I'm losing it. Renee, c- can you hear me? If you see Isabel, tell her her father needs her. Can you? Oh, damn! I lost it. And once again, Jack is standing in the pouring rain. But he's not alone. Waiting for him is. You son of a bitch! What? You went in without me. Uh, not now, okay? Not now, not now. You are so impossible. So? So we're both getting drenched again. I don't care. I know, but someone has to look after you. Come on, my hotel's right down the street. But let's get into something dry. Like a martini? I meant clothes, but why not? A soggy Jack and the ever impossible Dominique squish across the lobby of Jack's hotel, up the steps, and down the hallway to his room, where Jack finds a baggy shirt and baggy pants for Dominique to change into. When she steps out of the bathroom, how do I look? Like Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> you look just fine. You want to go downstairs to get a drink? I'm not staying up here with you. I won't bite. But I will. It's now four in the morning. Mojo has joined them in the bar. 
So, Renee seems quite happy being over there. Uh, but she didn't know anything about Isabel. Huh. Renee didn't tell you how she's able to stay in there, did she? No, at that point, I, I was losing it. She couldn't understand me, or maybe she pretended she didn't. I I'm not sure. We must find Isabel. Huh. I know. We have to go back, Jack. Oh, come on. Let's, let's talk about it tomorrow, okay? Uh, you know that Madame Chow, she opened it up for you. Yes, I know that. What? Well, she waited for me, and then, then boom, I, I was in. But that may be the last time. Why? I don't think she'll do that again. Why not? She may not be allowed to. Jack, we'll ask her. Jack may not see her again. How do you know? I, I've got this feeling. Yeah, and I'm afraid he's right. So that's it? You quit? Dominique, look at Jack. He's fading right in front of us. He's exhausted. Oh, gang, I am so sorry, but I'm going to fall asleep right here. I'll see you tomorrow, okay? Good night, Jack. Good night. Ciao. Whatever. You want me to walk you home? I'm okay. You know, um, Jack did all he could. I know. So, be nice to him. Okay. You sure? Yes. Promise? Yes. And? What? From now on? Uh, uh oh Yeah? I'll be nice even to you. <laughs> you don't have to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll see. Uh, well, looks like it's still raining. I don't mind. You don't want to get wet again? It's okay. I'm wearing Jack's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Next day, as Jack is sitting alone down by the harbor soaking up the late summer sun, his cell phone rings. Speak. Squeak? Dominique. <laughs> hey, Isabelle is back. Really? I spoke to her this morning. She said she saw Rene. And? Rene tried to tell Isabelle about her father. But then your friend showed up. Oh, you mean Madame Chow, or Madame Claudine. Madam, whoever the heck she is, or was. Mm -hmm. She brought Isabel back. And how does Isabel feel about this? Uh, disappointed. But she was told that one day she'll return. Oh. Are you coming by the shop? Well, sure, why not? We'll all have lunch together. Okay, uh, with Mojo. I I'll give him a call. He's here. He has something he wants to say to you. Salut, Jack. And salute to you, too. <laughs> hey, Jack. Ah, uh, Mojo. Well, looks like my work is done here. Uh, just one more thing. Yes, Mojo? I want you to think about this. Shoot. You know that woman and the blind musician, they work together. I knew that. They work together to draw seers, people of vision, into the other world. Hmm, maybe. It's like the, the accordion thins the membrane between the two cities. And the seers see the other world and walk in and don't come back. Ah, but they brought Isabel back. Oh, yeah. Madame Claudine, she returned to Isabel because you were getting too close to the old truth. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> You'll think about that. See you later. Ciao.
I wonder.
A lot from Pedro Show with some Thelonious Monk. Ask me now. Uh, before that, we had Galileo by Mouse, no, Mice Parade. More than one mouse. I guess it wouldn't be a parade. <laughs> I found myself in, strange, in a strange place one time. You remember a guy named Mike Brady? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this was when Reagan was... When Reagan was president, I guess, you know, and he was doing a video for some video magazine. I went down there to help him out. And we went to the Long Beach Convention Center where they had the Republican National Convention that year. And uh, we're just doing some film. And all the little Reagan youth, you know, was all hanging out. There was a couple of cuties there. So I'm like doing the high sign, you know, and punk rock hairdo. And they're looking at me like, you know, go take out the trash. And so we're filming. These people are interviewing. And uh, all of a sudden, the president—they found out the president's not going to come. Reagan's not showing up, but he's doing a video message. And the funniest thing in the world—one of these little Reagan youth girls comes running in, in her high heel and her little skirt. Uncle Ronnie's on the TV. Everybody come inside. I never forgot that. Uncle Ronnie's on the TV. Everybody come inside. And just the gleam in her eye—you know—it's just she was hypnotized by Uncle Ronnie. So Uncle George is now hypnotizing. The youth of America. I saw uh, his newest campaign slogan is Viva Bush. What do you think that's headed? Whoa. Viva Bush. Viva? V- yeah, Viva. Uh, yeah. There's that Dylan song, right? He's eating pizza. He's eating bagels. He's eating chicken or something. Man on the... Was it I Shall Be Free, number 10 or something? That's something I learned in England, you know. Yeah, dream, some dream number. No, I think it's I Shall Be Free, number 10. Oh, 115th dream, yeah, that's where he's got to go save Jonah. Or Ahab. Ahab gets parking ticket on the boat and thrown in jail, so. He's just have this strange adventure Adventure. Motorcycle it, nightmare. That's another adventure where the farmer's daughter and, and to get out of the mess, he says he likes Castro's beard. <laughs> that was the good Dylan. We played the song a couple of weeks yeah. ago. I think we're up to 68 shows. Wow. I was looking here. Bunch of hours. Yeah. Um, I was in Japan a couple months ago with the Stooges, and I saw this band from North Carolina called Ben Davis. You heard of this guy? Chapel Hill? I hadn't either. But the guy on bass turned out to be the cat who helped. The uh, first time I went to Japan with Jay Maskus, the fog guy who was a helper man, was on the bass. Was that a trip? I'm like, whoa, that's a coincidence. And uh, they were good. So uh, I was sent the CD. His newest CD, I guess he's been in a lot of bands and made all kinds of records. It shows to go you, man, how much music is out there. Little I know. So I'm going to play you a song from uh, his latest record here. And then a Japanese band. After that. Uh, what from Pedro Show.
Watt from Pedro Show. That was Los Leo from Tokyo. The song called Ghost Club, Trippy Mix. Kind of like headphone thing. And a departure warning from Ben Davis before that. Megs, Josh, I want to thank you both very much for being the guests. Come and visit uh, him, Brother Matt. Brother Matt, thank you much for Central Assist. Kristen, thanks for coming. Although you didn't talk much. It's okay. (laughs) can giggle. Uh, And who's your buddy? Oh, Barbara was here. Neighbor. Yeah, she lives down the street, took a pit stop. Neighbor did a pit stop. In fact, we had a big, she inspired a big spiel about humanity. (laughs) <laughs> that you guys didn't get to hear because you were listening to Jack Flanders <laughs> wind up his uh, self-realization journey. And, uh, yeah, we ended up talking about show tunes. <laughs> now, please, nobody out there, don't be afraid to whistle a show tune or two, you know. I promise... Watt will never say you're unmanly <laughs> or even unworthy to be in charge of the nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah, what a gig. What a gig. But it's up for grabs in a few months. Everybody do your research. Because what I understand is they're asking people's opinion who should get that gig. And I know who's getting voted in or out of American Idol game is very intent on the priority list, but maybe that gig should get a glance, a look over. And Although I think it's important you don't vote, too, if you don't want to. Or some countries, they fine you if you don't vote. And that kind of means, like, you have to uh, say the system's all right. You don't feel like voting, that's okay. You know, the country is built on protest. You should be able to protest that, too. Just thought for what. Um, I think one more show we can do before I go to Europe. And I think Petra come and debut her. Well, Petra cool. did a acapella version of the Who Sell Out, Josh. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Pretty intense. Whoa. It'll be out in September, but we're going to play it over the show, hopefully next week. And uh, yeah, I put it all, all the whole album. I gave her this eight track I had, and I put all of it on track eight. And I said, fill up the other seven, just sing along with it. And she did all my parts. And what she told me is uh, the label that's putting it out wants her to get a choir and do it live, six other people. Wow. And hopefully it's not a Bobby McFerrin thing. <laughs> It's cool. Yeah, and she gets to be a conductor, and I think it's great for Petra too from being side person role into moving into her own band and, and giving direction to people. Incredible musician, so maybe it's a new phase in her own music thing. Uh, but uh, she didn't even know about that record. You know, I just told her me and Dee Boone loved it. She's trying to quit. Well, she did. She's quitting drinking at the time. It was something for her to do. Yeah, that record's my favorite. Yeah, we loved it. We loved it. So anyway, everybody, 
May 23rd, 2004 edition of Watt from Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>